And welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners, Brian Siegler and Jonathan Talley. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is presented by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. If you love this podcast, the Hokies and the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. The money you spend at Main Street Pharmacy goes towards the things you support. So next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to 301 South Main Street. Buddy, Tally, it's a big one tonight. The legend himself is stepping on with us again. We got Dwight Vick on tonight. How you feeling, Tally? I'm feeling pretty good, man. You know, that's family, man. Y'all call him Dwight. I call him Unc. We're going to bring him in here. He's going to give us some insight. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be a good night. I'm already feeling it. I know the juices is flowing over here. I know the juices is flowing throughout the Twitterverse. Oh, yeah. I got my drink ready. (laughs) We'll talk about that later on. Let's go. (laughs) Yes, we do. He is always a pleasure to have on this program. Everyone's favorite Hokie, I feel like. All Big East, team captain, offensive guard. He is from the trenches, and this is an offensive lineman podcast. Everybody knows that up and down. It's great to have him back. This is now the fourth time he is becoming the leading guest on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwight Vick. What's up? What's up? What's good? What's good? Bring him in. There he is. What's happening? (laughs) Hey man, it's seven on the field, home, number one in your heart. I appreciate the love, man. Uh, hey, look, man. Um, I get invited to be on a lot of stuff, man. But anytime B hits me up, man, in the DMs, and it's like, "Yo, you want to jump on?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll reschedule what I got, man. I got a lot to do. I'm like you, Tally. I got kids, wife, businesses. But I mean, yeah, I'm happy to be back on, bro. Like, um, I love talking about my favorite university." and school and um, sports and, and just vibing and providing insight, man, you know. So I'm happy to be back on, bro. Definitely, definitely. Always welcome with us, for sure. Always. Always, always welcome. We always appreciate your insights, your thoughts. You have so many good things to talk about, man. Every time, salute to the big bro Vic. That's right, from Bryant Cobbs. And we've got a lot to unload tonight, man. I mean, a lot has changed. I mean, last time you were on with us was before the season. We've heard you in the Twitter spaces. We heard you on Victory Life, the Vic 757 podcast. But before we get into all that, I want to talk a little hoops. Um, I saw your son in his high school had a damn good season, man. How, how yeah. did that feel as a dad seeing oh. all that hard work for y'all for him this year? Number one, I appreciate you asking that because um, I've been a little bit quiet the last couple of months. It's not as talkative. And um, I got three great kids, bro. Like, um, my, o- my oldest daughter is, is doing the damn thing at ODU as a freshman. My youngest daughter, uh, who's here in her room, um, you know, getting ready to go to bed. And um, she's a seventh grader. She kills it on the track. Uh, but, you know, my son, Zay, Isaiah, uh, over the last two years is really taken off, man. And um, it's just phenomenal to see him. He plays for a phenomenal coach, one of the best coaches in the state, Sherman Rivers. He's got a top-notch staff. Um, Patriot 
as the last seven years has been one of the best teams in the DMV. And if you know about the DMV, that's DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia. This is the Mecca of basketball when it comes to high school and um, for him to be shining um, and the way he's, you know, he had a very good year last year, <clears throat> excuse me, first year starter. Um, he plays the five, but it's really, he's not a five, but um, over the last two years, he's grown to be six, six. So he can stretch the court. He plays the five. Um, he can three hit threes. He can dunk. He can. He, I think the biggest thing I love about his game is that he's coachable. He can defend. And um, he's got schools checking for him. Um, hasn't gotten that first offer yet, but I know this spring and summer is coming. I mean, there was a stretch in the season where he had like – he got MVP. They played on NBC against Largo. He got player of the game MVP with uh, 21 points, six boards, four assists, two steals. And against Battlefield, their big rival, the week before that he had – 21 points. He got played the game. He got played the game in the Eastern Regional. I mean, in the Regional Championship, 21 points, 10 boards. Um, he had another game. We got MVP. So he plays for a great team. And um, you know, Boston College is showing interest. Longwood, Radford, uh, Mount St. Mary. I, I don't. I don't really know. Like you know, with recruiting is fluid, especially with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And um, you never yeah. know how they feel about you. But I know. Um, the right school is going to take notice. And, you know, I'm just trying to be a father to him and, and also enjoy it. So um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And he's, you know, people say, man, he, I'll say this real quick. My wife was all met um, in track and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody he gets his length and height from me. I'm six, four, six, five, but he gets his athleticism. <laughs> from his mom, that's, that's his mom. I'm a, I was a good athlete, my guy, but like that's he gets this athleticism from Shanice Carter Vic. She was a hell of an athlete herself. Um, I, I'm not that egotistical, well, I won't shout her out. And uh, you know, it's just a blessing, like guys. It. I'm a family man, I've never been ashamed of that. We know you are. I love my children, you know you and my son makes me proud, even though I'm not gonna tell y'all. No lies. Raising kids is another job. I mean, it's it's always it's always life. We know, it's always something always. you know. You learn and you know you gotta learn when to back off, when to push, when to hold them accountable, when to listen. And you also guys know I'm a licensed therapist, so I spend my day working with teens and families. Um, I had a call right before we jumped on with a crisis. I had to kind of help out in uh, Vienna with a family man. So. I've dedicated my life to helping others and empowering others, but it, it is a blessing to see my children growing and shining, man. So I appreciate that question, man. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's good, man, to hear the daughter's doing well down at ODU. I'm sure she got some rub on you early in the season. It's good to hear your seventh grader in middle school. I'm sorry. I got to be real. I know she got on you that game. She did. Um, And and, and I love it. And I love to hear your seventh graders out there running track, having good. It's good to hear all the kids are doing good, man. Um, Who wants to to pitch the next question to Mr. Vick? Sally, I'll let you ride. Let me see here. So, um, you know, we all know about the the, the Vic Seven Five Seven podcast that uh that, that you got going on. We see the Victory Life. We see the owner and founder of Victory Life under your name there. I guess it says uh when uh the next question we were gonna ask was uh when you coming back uh which guest you got on deck. So when you when is your next show and who you got coming? You know um Mike and I last year was another great year. 
Um, we would do it all year, but I mean, the great thing about it is we got Boundary, your show. Um, we got Don V. Uh, you got other other great uh, podcasts out there. So Mike and I are both very busy. I mean, you're talking about like he is still an icon. So our podcast, the Vic Seven Five Seven Show, talking all things tech is seasonal. So um, I just actually text Mike today. <laughs> I said, "Hey, cuz, you coming to the spring game?" He said, yeah, you coming, cuz? I said, oh, absolutely. So uh, speaking of kids, we're going kidless. So that means Woo! I can do um, I get to so, No, 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 no. Ho, ho, ho. So I was I was going to be excited about that until I started looking up Young Vic's basketball stats and stuff. We need to get him up there. I got We got to get him to text so I can get some – so I can meet him and get a, get a signature already, man. Yeah. I need an autograph already from him. You know, man, Um, yeah, you're talking about my son, right? I'm talking about your son. Yeah, yes, you sir. Know, he, he likes tech. I mean, I'm a huge Mike Young guy. I know they didn't have the season they thought they were going to have, man. But, um, you know, I mean, he plays. My son is actually right now in Maryland coming back from practice. He plays for D.C. Premier. I used to coach him. I coached him uh, for five years. And um, he's actually now playing last year and this year playing for D.C. Premier. And they play on the Under Armour circuit, the shoe circuit. And um, there's a lot of college coaches at that circuit. So you have the EYBL, Nike, you have Adidas, and you have Under Armour. Um, so, I mean, we were talking the other day, he likes tech, but I mean, he's just liking whatever school shows him the most love. I mean, obviously our family grew up Hokies. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because he's been around greatness his whole life. Um, from Mike to Tyrod to Greg Stroman to Timmy. So he used to train with Timmy Settle and Greg Stroman when he was in middle school, um, him and my oldest daughter, um, you know, he was around Ricky Slade who went to Penn state and then ODU. Um, so for him, you know, he he went to the football camps with Roddy White and Deshaun Jackson and, you know, was catching the ball. So he's not overwhelmed by greatness. And, I mean, I think if Tech ever pulled the trigger, I mean, they got a lot of guys coming in already. He's a 2024, so he's got one more year. It would be, like, great. I mean, that would be nostalgic. But um, I've learned in life not to force it because even when I chose Tech, Tech was not Virginia Tech that it is now. So, I mean – I was getting recruited by Florida and UVA and Boston College and uh, HBC. I was getting recruited by a lot of schools. Um, and you said Notre Dame was the dream offer, right? Yeah. Notre Dame, Notre Dame was the dream offer. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, my Tech fans frown when I say UVA, but you gotta understand. In that time, UVA, Sean Moore, Terry Kirby, Herman Moore, they were doing the damn yep. thing, and I was really feeling UVA. Um, but Notre Dame, man, like that was my school. Tony Rice. You know, um, Bettis, um, you know. The Rocket. The Rocket. The Rocket. The Rocket down there. The Rocket be somebody in the 40 wearing church shoes, man. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, he had a race one time, and he had on, like, you know, the Stacey Adams, and he smoked somebody. So, um, yeah, man. So, at the end of the day, man, you know, um, if Zay ends up going there, it'll be a good. But I'm just praying for health, focus, yeah. and um, locked in. And then, yeah, and then. With going back to real quick to wrap up with me and Mike, I just want to say, man, like, I don't know if everybody knows the whole story behind the Vic 757 show. I already had Victory Life Legacy Spotlight and then the show I do with Danny Noak. So I, and then I do a weekly radio segment, then I jump on with you guys. So I'm well embraced and enmeshed in Twitterverse and, and running my mouth. Mike does his stuff with Fox and all of that, but he came to me and was like, hey, cuz, I want to help tech out. It was his idea. And um, I came up with the name 
and he came up with the tagline. And our chemistry has always been like that. And then um, it's just been great. So the next guest, uh, we're going to try to get Antonio Banks on. And um, uh, my man, I forgot the DB's name, man. Um, I want to say Roland Minor. Um, oh, the, the Rhodes yeah. Scholar guy from yeah. FSU. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, minor from tech, the DB. Oh, rolling minor. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. you. I got you. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm... no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the plan. But I mean, you guys know trying to get guests is crazy sometimes, man. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, not even just the older heads, but like even the young dudes, man. Um, it's tough because I mean. My guys, Billy and them, Sons of Saturday, Grayson and them were like, yo, they were trying to get me and Mike on. I was like, not just my sketch, but Mike, man, like he is, he he flies and travels and he's everywhere. But it's so funny because he is a tech fan. Like he'll text me or call me during the game. I remember <laughs> it was one game. Uh, this was, uh, I think this was when Brummeister was there. We were playing Pitt. And he was like, hey, cuz, man, like, what 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 we doing out here, dog? What do we <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what are these plays we running, man? And I was like, you know, it's it's you know, he was like, why are we passing so much, man? Like we gotta run up. He's it's so funny because you say Mike Vick, but he's no different from the four of us. He is a fan, he has yeah. insight, he has suggestions, and um, you know, he's like us, bro, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure good. he gets I'm passionate good. and be like, what the hell? What the oh, hell is going wow. on? What, are we doing? what the hell Why is going on? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm oh, very yeah. happy. You, yeah, I'm very happy you said that, Dwight. You said he's no different from us, but that is a lie. He is very different from me. <laughs> he's very different. <laughs> <laughs> I met the man. I, I gave him a hug. He's still built like a brick wall. Yeah. So yeah. He, he is very different from talent. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I definitely understand what you're saying. Definitely yeah. understand. Yeah. And it's good to hear you say that stuff, too, because a lot of fans that aren't close to somebody like a Mike Vick or Dwight Vick think that, oh, these guys don't – they don't watch the games. They don't pay attention. They don't want to go back. They don't give back. You know, they people don't know. You know, they only know what they – may get a snippet of on 247 or something. They don't know the real. So let me tell it's let me good tell to hear you say stuff like that. Tally and, and, and Kurt and, and B, I'm going to tell you all something, man. From Jimmy Williams to DJ Parker to the guys from the 80s, I, I, I'm kind of like that that guy that links everybody up. Man, let me tell you all, man, Todd Washington, it don't matter, man. People, when you, when you played at that university, Tony Kennedy, all these guys, man, Von Hebron, they care about tech football and ain't nobody really feeling now we've been not feeling great before. Now with pride, there's a lot of optimism and hope and feeling much better. Um, but before it was about to be, uh, it was about to be like varsity blues out there. It was about to be, <laughs> it was about to be on and <clears throat> real quick. And I want to throw out somebody real quick. I want to shout out. I know we don't do that till later, but I want to shout out y'all talking about like um, my son, I got a nephew, and he's in eighth grade. He started. His name is Derek Fisher. My my nephew is uh, he was starting quarterback for Bethel High School's JV in eighth grade, and he was in the, in the seven right. five in Hampton. In eighth grade, you can play JV high school uh, football and basketball, and uh, he was a starting quarterback. And right now, they got him projected, but I'm to be the starting quarterback as a freshman on varsity. And I'm telling y'all, oh, wow. I'm just telling y'all, I'm telling y'all. Okay. 
He's special. Like the name name. I'm just Derek like Fisher. Derek Fisher, and he's in he's Bethel High School, and he 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 is okay. special. He's special. All right, for Sigla and for Tally, y'all should not forget that name. The man was a Laker for all those years, so it should <laughs> translate to y'all. We can't forget that name. Yeah, we we ain't gonna forget <laughs> that. We ain't gonna forget that. All right, so so Dwight, we've had some coaching changes here. The uh, recently, you know, we got a new offensive line coach in there. We got a new running backs coach. There's some flip flopping. Let's talk about this because uh, you very publicly co-signed getting Ty Washington back in here. You just mentioned his name a few minutes ago. Um, you know when Joe Rudolph got hired away to Notre Dame. Obviously, the Hokies didn't go that way. But can you talk a little bit about what benefits you thought Todd could have brought to Blacksburg? Well, let me just say this, guys, and I appreciate that question, man. Because um, I'll say this, and this is not me being fake because I can't be fake. I said this on the Big Dog Sports Talk radio show I do every Thursday morning. I have my weekly segment. And I'm going to say this again on Y'all Great Show. Um, I'm going to support the hire the same way I supported Fuente in the beginning because I'm a Hokie. So whoever pride his guys went with, I'm going to rock with until they show me otherwise. But I just felt like when Todd reached out, you got to understand something like Todd, Derek Smith, Todd Washington, Derek Smith, Janelle DiNapoli, those guys, Jay Haygood, all those guys, we were brothers for four or five years and beyond. And I can't describe to you the bond, but I'm we're not biased either. Like we'll call each other out. We but but I'm telling y'all right now, Todd is a phenomenal coach and he's a great football mind. Not just because he won a Super Bowl as a player and a coach, but I felt like from the need standpoint of what we need in Blacksburg, when I look at the old line last year. Just to be frank, man, I, um, I was excited about Rudolph coming because um, even back in my day, Wisconsin offensive linemen have been the standard. You're talking about, like, the way they push the pocket, the way they get to the second level, how they maul people. You look at guys like Ron Dane that ran there. Like, I mean, they were running back you in regards to just putting out numbers. I mean, did that style win against the Ohio States? I mean, yeah, but it's tough. But they still were like Tech where they were a consistent program. So when we got Rudolph, I was excited. But if we're being honest, um, I didn't see any improvement with the offensive line. And that's not about talent. Uh, We had tons of pre-snap penalties. We were undisciplined. Uh, Many times in the RPOs, we were illegal men downfield. Um, We looked lost. Um, You go back and watch the tape against ODU. um, We had moments where we moved the ball rushing, but – Let's go back and dissect the tape. We could not combo block. Many times the defensive linemen were splitting the combos where we couldn't get to the second level. Um, we talk about the turnovers in that game, but look at the pass protection. So if we're being fair and honest, Rudolph did not improve our offensive line. Um, and I thought Todd Washington, I don't think Pride needed to hire everybody that's ever played in Blacksburg because that would be asinine. You don't need to always bring everybody back. I trust him, yeah. but I thought Todd would have been great as far as X's and O's, um, relatability, and the fact is is that he's coaching in the pros right now. It's not like he is sitting around and yeah. um, he's paid his dues. And I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to say this, and I don't normally do this all the time, but this is something Todd said when he was on the Vic 757 show with Mike and I talking all things tech. He's also said this on the Victory Life podcast with me. Um, but it is still tough for black men to get coaching jobs on the collegiate and pro level. And that's not a shot at Virginia Tech. I'm just saying that if you look at it, 
you know, um, he can coach. He's paid his dues. And he has been passed over. When he was at with the Baltimore Ravens, he was the assistant offensive line coach when Tyrod was back in the Flacco. And I posted an article how he's more than an online coach, how he was able to, you know, coach different positions. And I felt like, you know, he continuously has to have to jump through hoops to get that call. And I think his children being in college and being adult children, this was the perfect time. And um, I thought it would have been a great hire. And it would also, I think, as corny as it sounds, in college football, you kind of got to ignite the fan base with excitement and momentum sometimes. There's a little bit of X's and O's as well as marketing. And it's a balance to getting, like, that buzz going. And I thought Todd would have checked both boxes. But just to kind of, you know, land my plane to wrap this question up, this answer, I trust who they hired because I trust pride. And I'm not that biased where I'm going to be like, you know what, I'm done with y'all. Y'all going to – you know, y'all gonna hate on my man. Nah, I'm I'm grown ass man. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna get emotional. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I just thought Todd would have been great, man. I mean, yeah. you gotta understand something, man. I redshirted. He played as a true freshman, um, yeah. and he was able to play guard and both centers, and he could snap and long snap. And he was drafted. He played with the Bucks. He went against Warren Sapp and Derrick Brooks. He played on those Tampa Bay teams. He played for the Texans. He's coached in the league. He's coached collegially. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is, man. But it's a business. And um, I'll just – and you know, and with Rudolph, man, you know, I'm not going to mock his, his goodbye statement to Tech, you know, talking about God, this. But I'm just over these guys. Yeah, you can. You can do it. I'm just, yep, I'm just over it. some of these guys that, yep. you know – Mock it. I just think some of these guys get on here and they get – and they put the Tech stuff on at these press conferences – and they talk that I'm just happy to be here. I've always wanted to be a hokey, and it just is great to be here. And I just love this place. And my wife, we've already toured the town. And I'm like, man, stop, stop capping. Like, if you're gonna be in it, be in it. If you just at the end of your career where you're trying to get checks, then just be honest. But don't yep. play with my school and don't play with my university. You know what I'm saying? Because I felt like, you know, I didn't see any results, and that's not that's getting not hard over there. And I'm, I'm not being personal, but, like, to me, Tech is a unique place where you got to get guys and players that want to be at Tech. We, we will never, ever see that Beamer longevity where you had coaches there for 16, 24 years. That time is gone, but you still can get guys that want to be there for several years or for the foreseeable future. So I think these hires and the staff, you got to make sure you got the right people. That's just my two cents on it, man. Well, listen, man, we we like the two cents. I think it's more than two cents. I think it's a dollar. So <laughs> you keep it coming. But, yes, sir. you know, uh, what we was talking about here, we appreciate all your insight talking about, you know, t- Todd Washington. And just to touch a little bit kind of what Dwight was saying about the minority coaches, it is very hard for minority coaches to break through and 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 get, the, and get a, a job or a job that they're – wanting to go into so just want to retouch on that and say that but also pivoting because you brought up some stuff you said you trust pride which is was this huge and um he went out and hired a guy uh to to run the o-line and looking at his track record looking at his history mr ron crook kind of what you're thinking about how you feeling about that him. what about that picture <laughs> that picture that was shared 
Yeah. The man out there, backwards hat, shorts, snow. snowing like outside. Snow, right? Yeah. Please you know, rolled up. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a solid hire. I think the one thing I've learned as I've gotten older since I've done playing is I I, I used to just like an average fan, I used to get excited when a coach won the press conference, like when they would say all the right things. Cause they, you know, they they did their research. They know what the fans and the followers want to hear. But to be blunt, I don't have favorite teams. My only team is Tech, right? So to me, it's a what have you done for me lately? So like when I'm looking at it in the spring, and then especially when we, cause you know the thing about life, like it's 2023. Like we don't really realize how fast life is going right now, right? We're gonna blink. We all going to see each other the spring game, take some pictures and have a great time. And then we're going to blink. It's going to be August. And we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the ACC and, you know, where we pick the finish. Right. So to me, I'm looking like how we come out against ODU or whoever that first game is. I don't have it in front of me. Then I can I, I, I'll tell you how much I like to hire because I've okay. said this before. And you guys, we all follow each other on Twitter. And I've been on a lot of uh, tallies Twitter spaces. You can say what you want about these sexy positions. But Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Clemson, and the powers that be Ohio State, the teams that win, even on the high school and professional level, have the LOS, the O-line and mm-hmm. D-line. LOS is line of scrimmage players. Georgia has shown you. And if you go back to those longtime Tech fans, they'll tell you, look at the O-lines that I played on and even the ones yep. after me, Debo, Anthony Davis, Dwayne Brown. Yep. We looked and played like Georgia. I'm not saying – that we won the national champ. I'm just saying, like, we move people. And Nasty. you got to have that O-line, D-line. You got to have those Jason Worlds, those Hopkins brothers on the D-line. And the O-line, you got to have guys that can get third and fourth and ones. Take take us back. If Crook's going to be the guy, this is what I'll, I'll know if he's the guy. If on fourth and third and one, when we need a half a yard or a yard, and we get it, and we get more than enough, then I'll know if the guys can pick up a backside block and, and and make sure they can get to the second level. Then I'll know. He giving y'all he giving y'all that old line talk. If y'all don't know what he's talking yeah, about, yeah, oh, yeah. He got, I know man, all about it, man. If you can't, I, I'm with you. If y'all don't know what he's talking too about. many times last year, I looked and I saw us not be able to convert on third and fourth and one. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Yes. And 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 the thing about it is, is that I can talk about like how high our pad level was. But you win games and you win fourth and third and one or third and two on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You you go from your prep to assignment. And there's also an ownership of the linemen. So, Crook, I'm rooting for the guy. I'm probably going to meet him when I get up there in a few weeks because I'm going to be up there. I go in the coach's office. I'm going to shake his hand. Hopefully I get to see him. And, you know, I'm sure he'll, you know, talk to me if I can. I know they're going to be coaching, but I'll be up there Friday. But at the end of the day, man, like, We'll know if he's a good hire. Like, now, when J.C. was named interim and when he was retained, I knew J.C. was a good hire because not only did I play with J.C., but I saw what J.C. did at JMU and other universities. Because when he was at JMU, one of the best teams in tech history, he coached JMU up, and they upset Virginia Tech, 16-7. So J.C. Price has a track record. He also could recruit. Um, So – Crook, for me, I got to wait and see. Now, from his resume, he looks the part. But Fuente has some guys that look the part, too. 
That's true. <laughs> well, let me pivot to this because with the crook thing, like you look on paper, you feel good, right? It's like he coached Cincinnati to a playoff berth. West Virginia was running the ball down people's throat. The Stanford offensive lines when he was there. <clears throat> but you always mention J.B. Grimes. That was your coach. Absolutely. But I'm going to pivot to this because I need to know how the mentality of a player works. And in 98, J.B. left. Your senior year, J.B. left. He went down to Texas A&M, and Brian Steinspring took over. From your perspective, how does that impact you in the offseason? I mean, these guys were working their butts off in winter workouts. Rudolph was there. You get near the end. You're going to go on spring break. Coach is leaving. We don't know who the coach is yet. You come back off spring break, they announce Crook. I'm sure the kids probably knew the week of spring break who it was. But just that perspective from you going through a coaching change in your time, what's the mentality like? Yeah, that's actually a great question, man. You know, I was spoiled at Hampton High School because Coach Mike Smith coached 50 years at Hampton High School. They won 14 state championships, two national championships. He's got NFL Hall of Famers. I had the same O-line and D-line coach in high school, same staff. So Hampton was really, really good. And, you know, at the end of the day, same thing at Tech. So stability and consistency was what all I knew. Um, when when JB left, it was sad. We loved him. I mean, he was – so have you ever seen Full Metal Jacket? That's how intense yep. he was. Now, I was not – I was never like private – Early Army. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't Private Powell or whatever. Nobody was gonna off themselves. I'm not making fun of suicide, I'm just saying that movie. But like that's yeah. how, that's how hard he was on us. And Steinspring was a tight end coach. So at that time, the tight end and O-line coaches worked together. So yeah. when when Steinspring took over, it, he wasn't really foreign to us, so we knew him. But there was a little bit of a transition because Steinspring had a different style. He was more fun-loving. He got on you, but he was a player's coach. So he would get on you and pull you to the side where JB would undress you verbally in front of the <laughs> old staff, the whole team. So we knew he left for his family. It was a better opportunity. He's an SEC guy. So we supported that. But it's tough. But I will say the one thing Beamer was masterful at, he was always one step ahead of changes, right? So – if he knew a guy was going to leave or he wanted to bring, he he knew how to move the chess piece. I think later in Beamer's career, it kind of got funky because then he got into Leffler, who was not a tech guy. Michael Kane, who was in over his head, had been fired from two different jobs. I think that's when you kind of knew it was kind of changing in Blacksburg. I think the players now, what goes to their head is like, you know, we need somebody in here. Because, like, tech's identity is not established. You have Tyler Bowen who I know and respect. But as far as that O-line piece, when you lose your position, Coach, as you head into the spring, it's going to be a little bit of an awkwardness and it's going to be a little bit of change. And I'll say this on y'all's show, too. I don't think fans really understand. We watch the press conferences on Hokie Sports and we see them come out and they're introduced by Whit Babcock and all of that, and they, and they talk about whatever. But when you come to a new university – there is so much the coach has to do. He's got to learn where all the stores are, the grocery stores. He's got to learn the exits. He's got to get adjusted to wherever he's going to be living. If he has kids, they got to get them registered for school. You got to get your moving truck company and stuff ready. You also got to meet your coworkers, your coaching staff. 
You got to get used to the climate because Blacksburg and whatever, Southwest Virginia is different from different places. You also got to get an understanding for your players. You got to watch tape and see, okay, who am I working with? Who are my guys? Who am I going to bench? All that has to happen. And now you got the spring coming up where you got to coach them up. It's tough. And I'll tell you, I didn't really care about losing the quarterback coach, but losing Rudolph was a challenge. The great thing is you lose them now versus in August. But I will tell you that that is this is my biggest concern because continuity, chemistry and cohesiveness is essential. And the offensive line does not have that right now. Yep. They're, they're working on their third coach in three years. So it, it's a struggle. I mean, and you got some veterans, especially they've seen all three of them. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's a big switch going from what vice did to what Rudolph did to probably what crook's going to do. The, all three of those are doing things completely differently. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how that shakes out yeah. for sure. Um, let's talk about the other coach we got in house though. We got Elijah Brooks running backs. <laughs> Um, feel a little bit like history repeating itself. The math, the connection. He's coaching running backs just like Billy Height. Uh, and also we got, you know, the Mike Young and Mike Jones effect. Seems like just a theme in Blacksburg to pull them to math, the coaches in there. How are you feeling about Coach Brooks joining the staff? I like that hire. I like that hire. You, you took Maryland. Maryland has never really challenged Virginians. Other than that nonsense in that pinstripe bowl, we've owned Maryland in football because I live up here. Maryland is more of a basketball school. Um, I've been living up here in the DMV for 20 some years. Maryland has some moments with Ralph Regan, Beamer's best friend, but they have never really, you know, captured getting their in-state talent or even guys. They'll get a player here and there, but here recently they started to pick up momentum. Um, but at the same time, getting Elijah and coach Elijah was huge because I look at connections and relationships, the DeMatha connection, also the Maryland DC guys. I look at like the DMV, including if you want to go DMV 804, 757 in the 434 Lynchburg, Central Virginia, and North Carolina is a hotbed for talent, right? And I think when Tech had their best years, we talk, and this is, I know I'm a 757 guy, but respectfully, we talk way too much about the 757 when some of the best players were in those other areas. Um, Jared Boykins, a North Carolina guy, Charlotte. Josh Morgan is a Southeast D.C. guy. He's been on the Vic 757 show. Eddie Royal is a Northern Virginia guy, Westfield High School. Yeah. Corey Moore, a Juco guy. He's from Tennessee. Um, you look at Kevin Jones. He's from Pennsylvania. So some of the best players are not from the 757. Some of them are from the surrounding areas. But you had a great mix of proximity and the demographics. It was just like a great recipe. That pot that Beamer created, that recipe of getting mm-hmm. those guys, it was a great mix. So Coach, Coach Brooks – you know, you're coming into where he can get those guys because the one thing about Maryland, the Virginia Tech fan base up here and alumni, I live up here, and especially when we are really rolling as far as performing well on the field, if you get on 66 and 495, we play in FedEx, or if you're in D.C. and Maryland, other than North Carolina, the Virginia Tech alumni presence up here in the D.C. area is huge. Yep. And and it, all you just got to do is give them a product. And I think – that was a quietly. That was a huge hire. Um, it's oh, one of those sure. hires where we'll look back and be like, "Wow, that he's getting this kid and getting that kid." Because yep. I said this on Tally's podcast. I mean, a uh, show uh, post game one day. Um, contrary to popular belief, and I can speak on this because of what I do, there are a lot of youngins right now in middle school and high school who still want to be at, at Tech. 
I know there's this misconception that, oh, our brand is so trash. No, bro. There are a lot no. of kids in Maryland, in PG County, and in D.C., and in even um, Northern Virginia who are, like, praying for a tech offer, who are high three, low four stars, good players that end up have been going to Pitt, Wake Forest, Penn State, and West Virginia. Not anymore. Because you take a look at what he did with Brooks, like you said, you have a guy like that who's clearly he's already on the field coaching. He's already proven he can do it at the collegiate level four years in. We talked last week. He's got running backs in the league. He's getting guys over a thousand yards. What he did at the math that speaks for itself. That eight year run he had is unbelievable. <laughs> but now as Brian talked about the, the WC AC conference, he's going to know all those coaches. He probably knows everybody up in the Northern Virginia, area, everybody in the DC area. Yep. So it's not even an issue of him walking in and it's a handshake and knowing that that coach, if I recruit that kid, I trust him. Yes. I know what he's done at that high school. I know what he did at Maryland. Yes. I trust you to go there. He's going to get you in the right direction. And sometimes that is the best selling point. Yep. So, let, me get off, let me get off my soapbox here. Let me pivot nah, to that's this. good. That's good. That was good, Curtis. I mean, I mean, I do what I do. But let's. <laughs> Now, to get these guys in, to get Crook, who's a well-respected offensive line coach in the door this late in the cycle, to get a guy like Brooks, A, I'm going to be interested what Chris Coleman said the other week. I'm going to be interested to see how much money we paid these guys because yeah. I think we shelled out some. But to do this, we also had to move coaches. We moved Stu Holt from the running back coach to the tight end coach, where he spent a lot of his time in his career and special teams. Tally gave a great breakdown last week talking about him coaching tight ends is probably better for the special teams because more tight ends play special teams. Thanks for that out. That's a tough tally. But the big one, and everybody's raising hell and upset and mad and it's trash and we're stupid and we're it's jokes, is Tyler Bowen moving from the tight ends room to the quarterback coaching room. A lot of debate. A lot of logic. He's a green OC. We know that. We know that. First, first power five job as an OC. But let me get your opinion on this. What are the risks? What are the rewards of having him as the QB coach? Because we sat here last week and we said, well, he recruited Drones, who was a four-star kid. He got him out of Baylor, and he stole a kid up from Massachusetts from Nebraska who was a four-star kid. Just these are my quarterbacks. They're not y'all's. What do you think about the move with Bowen? Hey, you know what? I didn't spend a lot of time. I was asked about this last Thursday. And you guys are my guys. I'll be flat out honest with y'all. It's not a major concern for me because here's the concern I have. We got to get talent, especially at the quarterback position. Like, what you know, did I tell you? I'm, I'm going to tell y'all yep. something, man. Let me tell y'all something. Not that I'm telling y'all like y'all don't know this. Um, no, no, speak it. Hey, man, when you, when you got a Brian Randall, a Tyrod Taylor, a Marcus Vick, a Jim Drunkamilla, a Al Clark, it don't matter if you got Kermit the Frog as the quarterback coach. Because the reality is, is that I can tell you, hey, man, make sure you be careful with your sight adjust. Hey, that backer's moving up, man. You know, look, if they come up and they go cover three, we got to make sure we check to that draw. I can tell you all that, but if you are scared or you have no mobility or you, you melt in the moment, it doesn't matter. Truthfully, we got to get more talent. And that's not a shot at the quarterback we have now. That's a shot at the, the the circus we've had at quarterback since Gerard Evans has left because it's not been sustainable. So 
if you want to know my opinion about it, I'm not as concerned about Bowen's ability to coach a quarterback. It's more so about can we get some talent in there that can make plays? Like that whole miracle um, against Nebraska, Tyrod did it, Tyrod did it. I've known Tyrod since he was six years old. His dad played at my high school. He's older than me. I knew Tyrod was a dog when he was playing for the Lindsay Tornadoes when he was in middle school. Tyrod is elite. He was special on the collegiate level. So whoever the quarterback coach was, or I think Steinspring was the OC. And Steinspring, I'm biased. That's my guy. I love him. He's like a father, uncle to me. But that was all Tyrod and Danny Cole. You know what I'm saying? Tyrod is running. He's waving Darrell Roberts. You got Andonica Sue hanging on his jersey, and he throws a dart to Darrell. That's not coaching. That's playmaking. And if you look at Virginia Tech last year <laughs> and the games they lost, and they, they lost a lot of close games, turnovers, um, not learning how to finish, but they also lost the teams, especially when they, when they got blown out, it was because the other team had playmakers. Like, yep. like UNC mm-hmm. – has a playmaker at quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, Curtis, man, like, I'm not about to spend too much. I, I respect when, you know, I love my followers and the fans. I love chopping up. I don't really get argumentative because I'm always learning. I learn from y'all. I learn from Tally. Um, so I'm not going to talk like I know it all because, I, I mean, it's a valid concern. But I just think when you look at our talent, I mean, we're getting kids in now, but we got to get some more playmakers, man. Mm-hmm. Like, um. That, that that game against West Virginia, man, you know, we overthrew two wide-open touchdown passes, right? And then one time it hit dude in the helmet, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, that ain't quarterback yeah. coaching. Yeah. That's not making plays, if that makes sense. Go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so definitely definitely what you – what you you write what we need to be because we're going we gonna to jump into that here in just a second. Uh, I know we got to get ready to take a break to pay some bills. But we're gonna jump into you hit a couple of points that I want to talk to you about. Yeah, and the big thing with the, you know, you're talking about the playmaking. I mean, that's what we didn't have last year. I mean, guys in crunch time just not making the plays, whether it's a lineman missing a block or blowing an assignment or a receiver not being where he needs to be or an overthrow. I mean, there was thing plays all over the field that I'm looking at the tape. I'm like, you know, we're like one or two plays away from, from making something happen here, but guys aren't making the plays consistently. Yeah, and, that, and that's what it is. It was, man, and I mean, I mean, it, and it never felt like the O line, D line, and special teams were on the same page. Um, it almost at times looked like we were scared to win when we had games. I mean, that NC State game at NC State was a prime example. I mean, they had it, but you dropped picks. The ODU game was. The, I was there. I had foot. I had front row seats. And I'm gonna tell you something. Y'all talked about my son Isaiah earlier. He leans over to me. It was me, him, and my wife, and he said, yo, dad, they're not making game-winning plays. And mm-hmm. I said, dad. Right. And they weren't. They We dropped four picks. Right. We dropped right. strong, strong, strong back. We dropped picks. So, again, you could talk about, like, um, you know, coaching. Pry admitted that he, you know, he had some time management issues and things like that. But for me, when I look at that game, you know what's so funny? I was coached very well throughout my career. Once I stepped on the field, I was prepared, and you guys you all competed and played. I then became a player. Like, it's only so much a coach can do for me. When you're going against the Miami Hurricanes, the Clemsons, 
you know, um, the West Virginians, the Syracuse, the players I played against, the Vonnie Holidays, the Ebony's, the Ecubans, you got to be a man. I can't be out here looking to the sideline, you know, like Kevin Hart. Help me. I got I to gotta, I perform. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, I'm not – I'm not going to minimize coaching. I'm just want I just want your listeners and viewers to understand that it comes down to we got to have talent. Like if yeah. you go back in the history of Virginia Tech, even if you go back to you know when Beamer first got there under Antonio Freemans and all of them, they make your job easier. You know, it's just like you know we were talking about my son in basketball. Man, it helps when you are six six, and it helps when you have a shooter. It helps when you have a bench. You know, so. I'm Bowen's going to be fine, but we got to get our quarterback position right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be players first. You get the players. Players will always make coaches look better. Any level of any sport, great players make coaches Mm -hmm. look better. Mm -hmm. Now, let me do this real quick because you're going to have to touch on what Tally's going to ask about when we come out of break. Before we get into more topics, because we got a lot more to unload with the White Vic here tonight, we do have to pay some bills. And we're going to get a quick pause from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. Go Tally, go. If you're living under a rock, if you haven't been tuned in, we're glad you're finally here. We're here with Dwight Vic. Dwight uh, was touching on a couple of things that, uh, like I said, was near and dear to my heart uh, before break. So if y'all haven't heard it, you're going to go back and listen to it later on. But Dwight was talking about last year, Brett Pride's first year, three and eight out the gate. We had people on the cliff. Vic, Big Vic had to talk me out the cliff plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. But, but. When we talk about that season, we lost a lot of games by a little bit of points. I think four games, 11 points, something like that. Nobody really was predicting us to win last year, but Brett Pry, he he owned up and he talked about it a lot. He talked about we have to learn how to win. And he say we as in coaches and players, we have to learn how to do this. So, Vic, I want you to touch on that for me and just tell the Tell us and the viewers kind of what that means to you when you hear that. Yeah, I was adamant, man. And I said this even going back to the Fuente era, his last three years there on different platforms, including your Twitter spaces. And this is not – I know there was a Twitter space one time. It was either in yours, Tally's, or it was Don V when somebody came in. I think my man had too many to drink, but I kind of felt what he was saying. He was saying as far as um, – we got to get those Fuente guys out of there. I thought it was a bit disrespectful, but I think what he was trying to say, and I hate to assume is like, when you are not used to winning, losing mm-hmm. becomes expected. Like, it's like, here we go again. Like I had the great Trey Turner on um, the Vic 757 show with me and Mike, our first season. And Trey Turner said, Hey, yo, y'all, like, I don't think y'all realize to me and Mike, he said, I played with seven quarterbacks. And he still had his last year left. And I was like, yo, that's wild to me because that's unacceptable. And even though Fuente was known as the quarterback whisperer and Ryan Willis and all those guys had moments, Brummeister and all those guys, ultimately, I think that look, that's more about your culture. I felt like last year was a microcosm of 
guys not knowing how to win. Like, I love Dax Hollyfield. I, I, I think Dax personifies what it means to sacrifice and really care about your school. But at the same time, man, like, Dax has never been in a situation other than that year. And I'm, I think he was on that team when Fuente first got there and they won the Coastal. But, like, for me and guys that came after me, like, the expectations of 11 wins, conference champs, and playing in the, in the BCS Bowl, Alliance Bowl, a Sugar Bowl, an Orange Bowl. Like, one year we went to the Gator Bowl, we finished second, and that was just – it was terrible. It was unacceptable. So when you are used to winning, no matter what you play, it's a certain mindset when you step on the field, when you step on the court. Like, you expect to win. So you make game-winning plays. You know you know when it's stripped of football. Like, you go back to – one of the most talented Virginia Tech teams ever. Um, I've said this to D'Angelo. We joke about it now. We didn't joke about it then. That 2003 Virginia Tech team is yep. one of the best Tech teams in Virginia Tech history. Jake Grove, Ernest Wilford, D'Angelo Hall, Eric Green, Jimmy Williams, Ryan Randall. I can go on and on and on. He went eight and they went eight and five. They beat they beat LSU. They beat Tech State and them. They beat they beat Marshall, but then they lost to Boston College and other teams that they were better than, right? But that Miami team they beat, they showed you for one game what they would have been. Miami game, yep. Miami came into that game on a 31-game winning streak. And D'Angelo Hall, in the press conference before the game, said, I don't think Miami is as good as y'all make him out to be. And Beamer didn't like that. He put a muzzle on D. Hall, right? But what did D. Hall do? <laughs> what did D. Hall do? He said He took the ball from Roscoe, stripped him, and from that moment on, they punched Miami in the mouth. Had Winslow on the sideline ready to throw hands. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brock Berlin was on the field crying, facing the grass. Yep. The point I'm bringing out, it's not the nostalgia I'm talking about. It's that team <clears throat> and teams like that made game-winning plays. Um, I saw us last year in games, man, we just looked we look like the Georgia Tech game. Georgia Tech game, we, we had that game. And what happened? We're mm-hmm. driving to go up. Two scores and the young and the running back king fumbles, right? And I'm not blaming yeah. him for the loss. They punched the ball out. But again, if you're used to making plays, you score on that. You hold the ball. You know how to secure it. Um, you don't yeah. have a holding call. And and, and, and recipro- reciprocating that, you you have a sudden change like that. Your defense goes out there and they get a stop and get you the ball back. Yeah, yeah. Look at the year before, <coughs> look at the year before against Syracuse. Um, Fuentes last year, you know, um, you up by nine with a minute and a half left and you lose that game. I think it was two minutes left. You lose that game. Uh, look at the game, um, against Notre Dame the year before. I know that's not prize year, but those are the same players that was up nine on Notre Dame, the same guys. Notre Dame that year was a playoff team and they were rocking in Blacksburg. You got the pick six and they melted. And it's not that they are afraid or they're not smart. It's just, and and for anybody that's never played, I can't really give it to you verbally. I can't verbalize to you what it means. It's just something you know when you know how to win. And you got to have winners. I'll tell you right now, I've said this to you guys off offline, guys like Caleb Woodson, Breland Johnson, these guys they're bringing in from Highland Springs, from Battlefield, all winners. They're winners. I, 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 hey, I like winners. When we win, the sun shines brighter. The food yeah, is better. Yep. My bed feels better. I, 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 now, <laughs> now I can watch. 
I can watch the other games with pride because we won and I can I can feel good. I can watch highlights and not be afraid. You know, when we lose, and you know, I'm telling you, man, last year was to the point, man, like I remember me and Mike were talking and we were trying, and this is this is how dangerous losing is. We're trying to get focused and get excited to do a show because we've been losing so much. <laughs> You gotta tell us, man. Yep. yep. Every week, yep. Cali in his face every yep. week. But Curtis, yep. Curtis, Curtis, check it out. We're media people. Imagine the players. Oh, I yeah. couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I think Brian, you got something for him about what happened near the end of the season because you talked about not winning. And just a few weeks ago, we had Fontel Mines on. I don't know if you've caught that yet. Listen to that interview. Mm-hmm. We talked about the plays. The Liberty game, they made all the plays, right? Yeah. They made all the plays. They did everything. The, the offense scored. The defense stopped. The offense didn't let them get the ball back. But, Brian, you got some shoot, shoot. Yeah, and, about. and we were looking at that. Was it, it wasn't a perfect game, but they they made the plays they had to make to close it out, which is something we hadn't seen all year. But it looked like also offensively there was some shift in philosophy. Uh, kind of the started a couple weeks before that, but really kind of came to a head in that game. Have you ever experienced kind of having to shift gears like that when things weren't quite working for you and you kind of had to do a little little things different? And what type of impact can that have on the team, whether that's positive or negative? I mean, it's hard. I think when you – this is the one thing. I've said this to you guys before when we've talked, um, and I've said this to Tally in his Twitter spaces, to his to his, to his followers and stuff. Um, the one thing that we didn't touch on, but this goes back to answer your question, this is something that – we we haven't had in Blacksburg in a while is leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not something Andy Bitter, David Till, Mike Barber can really you can't really put that in the sporting news magazine. That's not gonna be an ACC media day. That's a that's that's a measurable thing you have to see and feel. Leadership is what Jim Drunkenmiller was, what J, what JC Price was when he became the interim. You saw that, right? You saw how they responded. Like I have said this, I've gone on record. I felt like the leadership when those sudden changes and adversity hit was lacking. It wasn't so much that guys were selfish and they were going to transfer in the portal and they were all about themselves, but take yourself back to when we were winning nine, 10, 11 games, or even that first couple of years when Fuente came in and he went 10 wins, nine wins and eight wins. You had Ricky Walker, you had Tim Settle, you had the Edmonds brothers. You had a lot of leaders, um, even Josh Jackson. Um, you can criticize him. He was a solid leader when he took over. Um, you know, even Gerard Evans, Bucky Hodges. Now, I know Bucky's not a verbal guy, but, you know, Isaiah Ford was a leader. Um, I, I felt like after those last guys left, it became manufactured leadership where it was a lot of hashtagging, a lot of, you know, false promises, a lot of posters, you know, it was like, like during the Puff Daddy era, it was a lot of shiny suits, but it won't, you know, like it wasn't mm-hmm. any real, it wasn't any real toughness. And I felt like when you talk about that question, guys, I feel like that comes down to leadership and mental toughness. Um, you know, I don't like talking about like, like I laugh when Don V, cause I'm the same way. I, I, I don't like to say back in my day, we was this, cause I think, the athletes playing today are phenomenal. 
I mean, I think the kids playing now are just as talented, if not more. And I think that the kids now deserve a fair chance every season. But I will say that the one thing that never changes in the game of football, when you talk about winning programs and winning culture is leadership. When coach Pry can turn his back and know that the players, when there's that dead period, when the coaches can't talk to the players, like, yep. like for example, um, I'm not sure they were doing this. And I know you got to be careful with the NCAA rules, but this is, if the coaches aren't there, it's not a violation. How many guys were getting the receivers and DBs together after workouts and going over seven on seven and, and, and running routes? You know, um, yeah. Mike Emo came on our show and talked about how they would work after practice. D'Angelo, like how many guys would really are like, like leading? Like Jake Grove was a leader. You know, and leadership is not like a bunch of like speeches and scriptures. And, you know, it's it's more so just holding your guys accountable, saying, look, man, we are going we are going to sacrifice so we can get this this conference championship. So, I, I mean, my answer to that question is, is leadership. Like, I just think, you know, you look at the great tech teams, even the teams that won eight games, they had a good season. They had leadership. Um, yep. Yeah. And I just think that's that's been missing too, man. And I think you kind of yeah. What he's saying is that that rah rah stuff is only going to get you so far, right? Like, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't look, man, bro. Like, <laughs> like, like, not to pick on Jameis Winston. I like Jameis Winston because he's funny to me, man. But I joke, I joke about his speeches, man, because I remember that one when he was like, "We're going out here." He was licking his fingers. We're going out here. We're gonna eat. And I'm like, man, that's not gonna get me hype. And and and. and, and <laughs> And honestly, like getting hype is cool. Um, whatever gets you going before a game, before a big performance, I'm more so a low-key quiet guy. I get in my zone. Like the moment I'm on yeah. the bus or the plane, I'm already locked in. I'm locked in. I got my, you know, I got my music on. I'm ready to go. I hate pregame. I I I never like pregame because after I get my my good sweat going on, I'm ready to play. But some guys need to to head bun and and hit. No, I mean okay, whatever. But that is only going to last because after that first quarter, even after the first two series, you got to execute and you got to perform. Yep. And um, yep. and that's why a lot of times you're and the rah rah is up here. After that, it's not you're not you're not getting that from everywhere. You you got to you know have your own motivation yeah, that you're motivation. bringing to the table yeah. mm-hmm. on top of being ready for the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really funny because I think all of us here, we're all fathers. We're all, we're family men. We we support our families. And a lot of times it's up here. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go in and work the long hours? Why do you take that extra class? Why do you do that? That's up here. That's up here. Yeah. Because, you know, anybody can easily skate by. But I'm going to pivot slightly because I know Tally, uh, excuse me, I know Dwight, um, you, you you do not you can't stay as long as we've stayed in the past, which has been long. But <laughs> let me ask this: um, you know, it's and one of our uh, listeners here put it up here too. It's kind of what I want to ask: what are you seeing that is why Brent Price starting to establish the team identity? What are the things you're doing that makes you feel good to say, "Yep, last year we were three and eight, But to Tally's point, to Tally's point at the beginning, four of those games were our eleven points. To Brian's point, when they made some philosophy shifts things started looking better. Mm-hmm. What have you seen? And we, we know you have some privy conversations. And what have you heard that may get us back to the true tech identity, to get us back on where we want to be? 
Yeah, you know, um, I think the one thing in talking with Pride and also um, like just, just in what I've seen is um, he's recruiting his state. He has a recruiting philosophy. He also is not afraid to admit his mistakes. I hate when coaches lie. Even when I played, I'd be like, bro, like I hate when they get up here like we didn't execute. We got to look ourselves in the mirror. We got to go back and eat vegetables and go to bed early and pray. Like, dog, nope. stop, man. Like, the one thing I rock with pride about is he's honest. Like, he, after the ODU game, he talked about being overwhelmed a little bit and not managing the clock. But more importantly, yeah. man, like, he is – um he has a philosophy. He's sticking to what he feels is best for Tech. And I think he also understands the importance of – relationships in the Commonwealth and like those areas we touched on 30 minutes ago about Carolina, yep. DC, Maryland. Um, and, and honestly, Pry is my guy. Like he knows we follow each other on Twitter. I can text him and call Pry. So he sees my tweets, but he's not going to be intimidated by Dwight Vick who has 13,000 followers because he wants Todd Washington, you know, and, and that's not saying he doesn't love Todd and because that's, that's his guy too. I just think, you have to stick to your convictions, and he's doing that. He also isn't – I remember when <clears throat> when Fuente, they asked about was he going to dance like Beamer, and he said, well, hopefully we got, you know, more games and win bigger games where I can dance, right? I didn't know if that was a shot at Beamer or if he was just actually talking about winning more games, right? And then um, that year we beat UVA when we thought we were going to lose the fumble game in overtime, and he yep. said that before the game, he said um, – they better get us now, right, because we're going to be better. Or my favorite, he told Bud Foster that now that he was there, he wasn't going to have to – we won't have to worry about winning with defense. I think those kind of statements sound good, but they're emotional. They're not rational, right? Yeah. Because Pry is not that. Like, I'm not saying he's calculating, he's strategic. He's honest, he's sincere, and he's telling you not what you want to hear, but the truth. Um, when he's talking about we got too many scholarships, we, you know, we're going to have some honest conversations. Um, and I think more importantly, he came there when I was there. Like we both came in there around the same time together, him and as a GA and me as a player. So he saw how tech was built and he knows how you build a program in an environment like tech. But I think the biggest thing he's doing well that that makes me happy and and feel good about it is he's, he's really trying to push and recruit the right players and recruit VA and the DMV. And, and I think he's also building a staff that can recruit and that's sustainable. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, as much as I can sit up here and carry the Brent fly, Brent fly flag and talk about how great he is. That's my dude, but make no mistake about it. He's got to win. Uh, he's yeah. got to win. I can, I can talk about how much, and I'm going to love him if he go eight and four or 10 and oh, or, one and nine, that's my dude, you know, but they got to win. It's a business. And and this is not <laughs> – this ain't the Beamer era. We need the first six years. You know, tech, no. tech, tech has – the thing that's tough now is when Beamer took over, you had – I wasn't there. I was younger. But when he came in, you had guys on campus wearing Miami Hurricane hoodies. You had guys – wearing Syracuse. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, now we go there, it's all maroon. Tech was all not man. in Tech was not in East Bay. We weren't on video games yet. People thought VT stood for Vermont, right? 
And then Beamer made Beamer Ball a household name. Bud Foster, the lunch pail, became a symbol in college football. So Virginia Tech fans have tasted the forbidden fruit, right? They yes. have tasted, they have been there. So Pry has to get us back to that point of relevancy where right now we are irrelevant. We're living more off our history and our traditions than actual outcome. And that's that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing when when you find yourself giving history lessons all the time, like, oh, remember we beat y'all? Oh, we won 10 straight games. And no, nah, nobody want to hear that. Like, Mm-mm. people love me and respect my insight because I can talk about the relevancy of my career mm-hmm. or my insight, how it relates today. But don't nobody want to hear me talk for four hours about 1999, you know, because mm-hmm. it's 2023. So I mean, I, 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 I've, I've talked to him. I've been in those offices. I've, I've seen those coaches working. Um, they understand that they have to get more talent and they have to build depth. But I think the one thing is it's calculated. It's, it's patience. It's, it's brick by brick. He said this, and I believe it because you see it. He really wants to build it the right way. Now, I know other guys have said this. I do think you know, you got to kind of play with the portal, which, you know, they did. They got some guys in the portal. And the one thing that, um, mm-hmm. you know, people don't realize, I, I talked to Pearson Prelo about this, the safeties coach. He told me this. He was like, him and DJ told me, Coach, they they had guys they were going to get out the portal the year before, but they several of them chose other schools. So this this past offseason, we got several guys in the portal. So mm-hmm. um, I think you get those guys because those guys talk to Pry. You can kind of see what he's building. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, you got to, it's like when you're dating a girl, you got to show her how much you love her versus just talk about it. Everybody can run games. There you, go. you know what I'm saying? There you go. I got to show you, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you talked about building the foundation and getting talent back in there, building some of the depth on the, on the roster. So let's talk about recruiting the state last year. We got 12 players um, that came in from the state. Um, most we've had in a while, um, but zero came in from the seven, five, seven looking at that area. Do you think that is due to the kind of the degree with which relationships deteriorated under the previous regime, or is it more to do about the unique nature of recruiting the seven, five, seven? Listen, man, you know, I'm from down there, Don V, a lot of guys, Ron Yellwood, it's so many of us. Man, you know, that was the best best kept secret when I was growing up because you didn't have social media, you know, and then you wake up one day and Plexico Burris, Allen Iverson, Ronald Curry, Michael Vick, Aaron Brooks, Sweet Pea Whitaker. I mean, all of a sudden you're like, God bless it. Where's this place at? It's the largest metropolitan area in the country without a pro sports team. And all of a sudden it's like, you got Missy and, and and Pharrell and all of them from down there. And, and, you know, it's just, it just becomes a hotbed. It just starts trending. I mean, Teddy Riley, it's just crazy, right? How it blew up in the nineties. Right. And Beamer was yeah. once again, shout out to my man's beams and coach Cav and coach time spring. He had the right recipe to get down there. You know, he knew to put all his eggs in the Mike Vick basket versus going all in on Ronald Curry, who everybody wanted. He knew to only recruit one quarterback, which was Tyrod, who was a top nationally ranked quarterback, a dual threat quarterback. He knew that Brian Randall would fit his system and that he was a very talented player, but nobody was going to really be after him in Williamsburg versus if he was playing in Virginia Beach or Norfolk. 
he knew him and Steinspring and Cab knew to get Cam Chancellor, who didn't have any offers, but he was 6'5 and an absolute beast athlete. So when you create a Cam Chancellor and you create all those guys, and I'm, I can't even name them all, Bucky Hodges, all of a sudden Ohio State, Penn State, Nick Saban, Clemson, they're coming in. And the 757 is always going to be a unique, unique area because it's very urban, but it's also southern. So Norfolk, Newport News, Hampton, Virginia Beach, it's not like up here where I live in Northern Virginia where we have the metro, we're right, you know, it's traffic, talk, you know, it's 495. It's, 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 it's a mix of – it's southeastern Virginia, so it's still southern, and it feels like everybody's related. And if you piss one 707 coach off, none of them going to rock with you. So if you – and I'll take you guys back because I was in the middle of this. Some of this started when we were recruiting some guys – Smoke Mozilla and all them, and they were playing for the 707 team called the Thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. And we sent Kurt Newsom down there, and Steinspring had that area. Well, Steinspring has an immaculate re- uh, reputation down there. But they felt some kind of way with, you know, some of the other coaches, and there was a disconnect, and, and then Mike London took advantage of it. He played the race card. He was smart. He's a great coach. I mean, as far as recruiting wise and in relationships and he got Andrew Brown, Smoke Mizell, and Quinn Blandon. And when he got Andrew Brown, he was a national Gatorade player of the year. So he was able to get those guys to commit. And that's when you saw the t- the tables turn because they were going to UVA or they were going out of the state. And then a lot of those coaches down there were like, don't send your kids to tech. And then we didn't help ourselves because there were some kids that we were supposed to offer but never pulled the trigger. And then once you do that, man, and then guys start going out of the state or start going to North Carolina and stuff like that, it it it, it hurts you. And then, and then, you know, fast forward, when Dre Block got to UNC, you could talk about him all you want, but he was a thorn. <laughs> like the episode yep. when, uh, when uh, Tommy Davidson was on there with Martin, he said, you have been a thorn in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God yeah. he has went to Detroit to coach. Yeah, yes. get him out of here. So here's yep. the deal. Here's the deal, Brian. I mean, the seven five seven will always have that reputation. Is everybody from down there great? No. Some of it they're living off of what D'Angelo Hall and other guys have done. Then there's some guys down there that we've missed on that we should have offered and recruited, like that kid from Bethel High School that went to Notre Dame that was an All-American, that's now in the NFL. He, you know, he went to Bethel. Bethel High School gave us Chris Ellis and James Gale, okay? Um, So that, that, that can you can see right there what that's done for us. So we got to, and also Ricky Walker. So you got three great defensive linemen that came, and and Jimmy Williams, because he played at Hampton High and Bethel. You got to get those guys. Phoebus has a monster that's going to pit named Jordan Bass. All state Mm -hmm. receiver, He's a guy that normally would go into tech. And the word on the street is, I know this from my sources, we almost flipped him, but we didn't finish. We came close to flipping. We didn't finish. But you got to get the Jordan Basses. Um, But I think, you know, it's about relationships. You got to keep going down there, showing your face. Um, I don't think you got to get corny and do the electric slide like Nick Saban at the fish fry. But the same term, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? 
at the same time, you gotta you gotta show love, man. You can you that is a that is an area where it's a it's just a unique area because some parts are really urban, some parts are suburb, I mean southern, some parts are very dangerous. I, I had Ron Yo Whitaker on. He grew up in Young's Park, one of the roughest projects in the, in Southeast Virginia in Norfolk, right? And on my show, he said Stein Spring came out there to Young's Park. And that's and, you know, Stein Spring's a white man. He was out there and he came in, Ron Yale, and sat with his grandmother and ate food. And he said Notre Dame and other schools weren't coming to Young's Park, right? It's stuff Scared like to death. Yeah, it's it's stuff like that. You gotta go into those 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 places. Coach Kavanaugh, man, Mike was on our show one time. Um, not one time, the show I do with Mike. And we joked about how he knew Beamer and Kavanaugh and them wanted him because they was in really circle where he from. And they were out there at night. He was like, yo, man, I thought it was going to mess around and get robbed and shot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you just got to – that's a long answer. But the point is, man, you just got to keep plugging away. I don't think go. I don't think our fan base really realizes how, and I'm trying to move on because I don't have no beef with that man, but Fuente really, really ruined those relationships, man. Like they, I'm not even talking about the um, Oscar Smiths of the world. I'm talking about the the schools that we had pipelines with, right? Yeah. yeah. When you when you start a movement from Texas hashtag to VA. And you got coaches who are like, we haven't seen tech down here in months or in two years. That is, you can't do it. So you got to keep plugging away. You got to keep plugging away. Yeah. And that's something you're hearing. And Tally, I know you got a question, but I don't make a real good point. Matasis was on us last week and he mentioned that. He's like, there would be months when high school coaches would not see tech. He's like, this regime, every few weeks they rolling in, every few weeks they talking, they're texting. But Tally, you got a question to uh, to Mister. Yeah, uh, hey, hey, and Curtis, Curtis, hold on, Tally, and Curtis. Not only are they all done every two weeks. This is one thing they're doing. This is smart. They're at the youth games, the Colt Ooh. boys. Like they're they, they're see again the seven five seven. The seven five seven is like it's like where Tally lives. Like you gotta you gotta know the streets. You gotta know the youth leagues. You gotta talk to those people. And know, like, yo, there's an eighth grade over here on Aberdeen Road, bro. Go talk to his aunt, man. His dad, you know, he's doing six months, but his aunt, she, you know, if you tell it, you know, you gotta come, you gotta, you gotta work the streets. I'm not trying to compare it to the drug game. I'm just saying you gotta hustle. You know, you can mm-hmm. and we've been we've been talking to those guys that the trainers, the seven on seven coaches that we weren't doing that with. So just want to add that, man. No, that's good because uh, I know me and Dwight, we talk a lot. We've talked in a lot of spaces just about, you know, recruiting and recruiting is tough. You know, I don't I don't profess to be a recruiter, but I understand how recruiting works because I've seen it a lot. I've studied it a lot. Um, people talk about like uh, the school Hoover High School here in, in Alabama. Hoover was a powerhouse for a long time and it was cheating, <laughs> but they were a powerhouse for a long time because of how they ran their program. They're six and seven year old football teams got visited from the high school coach. He was the one that was cheating, but he was the one he would go and tell those coaches. He knew those coaches and he would go, Hey, this is the, this is what they need to be running. Y'all can simplify it, but those 
five and six year olds need to be running this because if they're going to be in Hoover, if they're going to be in Hoover City, they're going to run this program. So coaches were already knowing what to do. And coming in as a recruiter, you would be talking to youth league coaches. You would be talking to barbers. You would be talking to uh, uh, where they ate at. Oh, you just pop up and you you eat here. You eat at this Waffle House and you'll see a, a coach pop up at that Waffle House where this kid's mom is, is eating. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. Next thing we were going to go with, because like I said, me and Dwight, we talk a lot through the spaces and have talked a lot just uh, in the DMs, all that good stuff uh, over the phone. Uh, Dwight has a lot of insight and uh, on, on on players and and under the radar players that we should be on or that he's liked. I know last year, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you talked about the Omari Campbell kid a lot, right? Was that his name? Yes. And he ended up, he ended up going <laughs> to UNC, right? Yeah, man. I met Mac Brown because of him. Because yep, uh, Amari yep. Amari told them about me, because I coached when he was young, and I'm like his mentor, and um, he's got a younger brother playing in my AAU organization. I have an AAU organization. We got six teams, and um, I was at Unity Reed High School a few months ago, and I walked up there, Mac Brown and their defensive coordinator. We talked for almost 40 minutes during the, during the fire drill, and Mac Brown. I'll be honest with y'all, he was tripping because he knew he knows I'm a hokey through and through. But I'm all about the kids, but he was tripping on like, yo, like, you really um, okay with him going to UNC? And I'm like, if that's his school. But at the same time, I'll say this. I mean, Amari's a, a Tar Heel now, but he he was waiting for that Tech offer. But, again, you know, size, measurables, I don't know what Tech wanted. But, I mean, I, you know, I'm there are a lot of kids I see up here or even in the state. And I'm like, hey, this kid is special. You know, I y'all see me on Twitter. Um, oh, see yeah. that, that I, that's what we that's where we at where we at right now for 2024. Throw a fly out there for us, man. Who are some kids that you're seeing the tech need to be on? Who's caught your eye? Hey, there's a kid. Okay, <laughs> there's two right now. First of all, let me just circle back. This is 2023. I'm telling y'all right now. I've been talking about them even before tech offer and Caleb Woodson, guys. Yes, you, know, you did. Jesus. On this program. Caleb Woods, I'm telling y'all, I'm not making any pro- – but, again, I got a straight – I got a strong track record. As I said, I told you about Strowman, this, that, and whatever. But there's a couple of kids. Um, I love this. There's a kid at Dinwiddie High School right now. He threw for 2,000 and ran for 2,000. I cannot remember his name right now. He is a elite athlete. Um, he's at Dinwiddie. They play in the state championship. He's special. I'm going to get his name. I'm going to start tweeting about him because I'm letting 2023s clear out. But y'all going to see some names just for y'all viewers out there and you, even you three, you know, we follow each other. Check me because I'm going to start sending some names out. There's another kid. I, I can tell y'all right now, he's also a quarterback, but um, the kid at Highland Springs, the quarterback, he just won their, uh, their fifth state championship, but I think it was his first or second. Um, Kmart. Yeah. I'm, I yep. mean, yeah, Christian Martin. I, Christian yeah, Martin. he plays basketball too. He has poise. He, he, he. I mean, he's a different kind of kid. He goes to bed early. He works hard. He's a tech kind of kid. Um, I just think. Wait, let I, me get you. To, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to get you the name, Harry Dalton the third, class of 2025. He already has a tech offer. 
from Dinwiddie. Okay, so good. Okay, I want to get it to you because if, if not, I would have I would have forgot it. No, no, no. Thank you, Curtis. <clears throat> so <laughs> I, I'm just telling, no. I'm telling y'all, like t- tech fans watching this, or when you rewatch, you re-air this or whatever. Check him out, bro. Like he is special. <laughs> like it, it, it's it's funny too because that's why I told you guys I'm not that OG. Oh, my day. You know, no, man. It, I see some kids now, but like, God bless it, man. That kid, you know, is special. So that Dinwiddie kid is good, man. Um, You know, uh, but those are two kids that come to mind. But I will say I'll have other kids, too, because what tends to happen between now and the spring, I'll start looking at tape or going to some camps or the summertime. I'll, I'll you know, I, I got followers, man. I don't know what they think, if they think I'm a scout or I'm just so passionate but I get people that kids and prospects that send me their film in my DMs. I'm like, hey man, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I mean, your film looks great, but I don't, I'm not that guy. I'm not, I, I don't work for 247 anymore. I don't work for rivals anymore. But um I will I will retweet and, and show highlights of kids that catch my eye. My wife has been trying to get me to coach college football for years, but I'm not doing it. I love Victory Light, but I will tell you. I have a good eye for seeing players. I, I, I can see a guy within five, even girl, female athletes. But for football, I can. I'm like, yo, I can just. First time I saw Greg Stroman, I was like, that kid's special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, every time Vic, every time Unc done hit me with somebody, it's done, it's done turned out good. So I had to bring that kid up. I went back. Well, I kind of remembered his name, but I went back to make sure I had his name right on the kid that went to UNC. So. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, uh, Big Vic say, "Tech, we got to get on Kmart and and Harry Dalton the third down there at Dinwiddie." Yeah, listen, look, hey, you see the comment up here by Robert. Why, listen, the kid in Dinwiddie is the truth, bro. He and he looks like one of those quarterbacks in the orange and maroon. He be like, man, you know, run, you know, because look, man, look, I did the 2013 spring game broadcast. I was the uh, what's the term? <laughs> I hate this word. Color commentary. Color com- I hate that word because it's too close to colored. <laughs> but, but I was. I hate that word. I just always say I was the analyst. I was the commentator. Yeah. So I yeah. remember I was doing this. You were breaking it down. I was. Yeah. I was in 2000. I was in the ESPN three, and I said, Brendan mm-hmm. Motley was in. And I was like, man, you know, I like this kid, and I, I, I said. Tech historically has always done very well with dual threat quarterbacks. And the last guy, the last guy to really prove that was Gerard Evans. Um, I just think, I just think like when you look at certain programs, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of high school and college sports, right? No matter what, like they always have, like Duke always has some annoying player that you hate Um, or, you know, um, you gotta be, you gotta be who you are. Yeah, man. Alabama always yeah. has some amazing running back, or what? Or Tech always has some great DBs, or you know, dual threat quarterbacks. Yeah. We've always had, like, you go back respectfully. I'm not trying to make us out to be trendsetters, but like Beamer and them really embraced dual threat with Mauricio Cezo. Like, yes, and yes. I just think that kid at Dinwiddie embodies that. Like, I'm not knocking. Um, the quarterbacks like Brummeister or Ryan Willis, I'm not trying to – like, if we get a pocket passer, it is what it is. But I feel like, like Tally just said, I feel like you are who you are. Like, I feel like Pry gets that when he's trying to get this defense right and get that toughness. Um, I just think, man, like, 
the kid at Dinwiddie, I'm a huge fan because when I saw him play, you know how you go to you, you watch a game, even if it's on the NFHS app or you go to a game or you see something on Twitter, you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. play that back. Yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always, so, always like that. Yeah, Got to see that again. Yeah. Got to see that again. Well, let's let's talk about this because we had we had Mateo on last week. He told us um, he kind of feels like the staff is going to attack the state of North Carolina a lot harder this uh, this cycle. Um, we also know Elijah Brooks' history uh, with the uh, Washington Catholic Athletic uh, Conference up there. How important is it for this staff to have good relationships with a couple of those hotbed areas, kind of that are just outside the state? Um, I've I've always thought Carolina, you know, even though that state is known for for uh, basketball because of all the schools. I think at the end of the day, there's always been talent down there. And we've, we've really locked it in. Um, even when Mac Brown first got to Carolina, you know, with the guys we talked about earlier with Trey Turner, um, Hendon hooker and all of that. But I, I will tell you the WCAC is probably in my humble opinion, more important because that conference in football and basketball is just, like crazy loaded with talent and um, you got to have somebody to kind of get in there and rub elbows and get those kids to come. Because if you look at it, like, you know, Paul, Paul, the six and um, Damatha, St. John's and all those schools up there, up here where I'm at, they got, they got ballers and they got athletes. And I just think, you know, we got to We got to We got to keep attacking, man. And we got to, and it's not even about the whole NIL thing. It's really about just building on the culture you establish and getting guys like like our brand right now needs to keep improving. And I think your brand improves when you have players where kids and fans across the state and across the, the country can identify with. Like when you watch the documentary on Virginia Tech and Michael Vick, you saw mm-hmm. those late 90s rappers like Noriega and Wu-Tang and all of them talking about they were tech fans because – Michael Vick had him on the map and everybody was talking about Mike and, but it wasn't, it wasn't about Mike. It was about Corey Moore and their attitude and how um, like the Beamer documentary I was part of with, you know, Brandon Flowers talking about when you saw tech play, you saw like trash talk and attitude. The WCAC has players like that. Like they have kids that, you know, don't get it twisted because it's a Catholic private school district. Those yeah. kids are going there because they're coming from Southeast D.C. and PG County to get out the hood. I'm not trying to make it like Dion said. I'm not trying to tell you that you got to get kids from the hood. I'm just saying, like, don't let, let me just be honest with y'all because I keep it real. You got to get some goons that also want to get yes. free. You got we got We got to get look, man. Let me take y'all back down memory lane, man. People don't remember this, but the ACC did not want us in the conference. Because Virginia Tech was known to be very outspoken, come in, take over your stadium, and we were very aggressive. You had you had Ronya Whitaker and Jimmy Williams and all those guys. We 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 were known to talking a lot of track. We were we were goonish. We were aggressive. And in our first two years in, in the ACC, we went 16 and one and only lost one road game. We went into Maryland, we took over, we went into Carolina, we took over. We've always taken over when we've gone to UVA. We went into every place and we took over. And that starts with the recruiting, you know, when you mm-hmm. get guys like Antonio Freeman from Baltimore City, Josh Morgan from Southeast D.C., 
Jason Worlds from New Jersey, right? You get those guys that are aggressive. Beamer called it intelligent recklessness, right? Yep. <laughs> I remember I used to be like, yo, Beams is on one, bro. Like, I was a young and I was a red shirt. I'm like, man, what the hell is intelligent recklessness? And then I saw J.C. Price, Cornell Brown. Shout out to my guys from Lynchburg because even that's another place. Like, Andre Kendrick, Carl Bradley, Cornell Brown, those guys from the LBC, a.k.a. Lynchburg, they were dogs. Like, you got to get guys like that. Like, Cornell Brown, y'all see him now. His nickname at Tech was Monster. That was his nickname, Monster. He didn't comb his hair. He, you know, he just hair just was out, man, and he he was an animal, man. And um, Hank Coleman, you had those guys from 804 Boys. I can keep going on and on. I'm not going to blow your show up with all these names dropping. I'm just saying that. Oh, we love that. I get nostalgic because I know what Tech is – and this is – I'm not trying to have a mic drop moment. I know what Virginia Tech is supposed to look like. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know uh-huh. what, I know what Tech understand. is supposed to look like, right? <laughs> so, I think – when you got people that come in that want to make it look like what they think, it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if I went to visit Tally or if I came and hung out with you, B, where you live, the first thing I'm going to do if I stay with you for a month or if I'm hanging out with you, I'm going to look, listen, and learn. I'm not going to come in saying, well, why don't we park here? Why are we eating here? Why don't you? I, I remember uh, Snoop Dogg told a story about Nas when he came out to L.A. to holler at him. And he said they were getting ready to run up on him because he was wearing red. <laughs> and they were like, nah, 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 man. Nas is my guy. And he was like, oh, they were like, okay. Because Nas didn't know. You know what I'm saying? He And, and that's the concept I'm talking about. It's like small things. Like, I'm not trying to pick on Fuente, but when Fuente was in Blacksburg, his five, six years, he was there, right? How many commercials in Southwest Virginia did you see him on? How many billboards did you see him on? Nothing, right? There was no connection. There was no connection. Let me tell you about connections. Let me tell you something. This, this is a small little hustle move. Beamer had several guys on the team that were walk-ons that were from Christiansburg High School and Blacksburg High School and even Pulaski. Now, I'm not trying to dog those guys because those are my teammates and brothers. Were they D1 guys? Some of them end up starting. Tim Schnecker ended up starting um, center. He was a undersized lineman. But he had guys in the community that were – there that got into school that were walk-ons that kept the connectedness. So Southwest Virginia had people that they could root for that played special teams that really couldn't hurt the scholarship count, right? This yep. is these are small chess moves you make. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, but honestly, man, I'm not trying to disrespect nobody or, or get canceled on y'all show. We got to get more goons, man. I don't mean goons that get DUIs or like my homie in Alabama that was pushing weight that got ran from the cops. We were just talking about that before you jumped on the hey, that's, 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 that's been a touchy subject because that kid, family is from – I live in Huntsville, Alabama, and his, his dad and family are big here in Huntsville. They run some hair stores here. Mm-hmm. So – it's been some some Facebook wars about people oh, having man. conversations about that. But talking about some of the stuff we talked about, a lot of people thought that kid should have went out of state because of how connected his father has been in prison. Mm. He just got out of prison, and a lot of people thought he should have went out of state to get away from some of the stuff that was going to come with yeah. his dad just not getting out. Yeah. But he went to Alabama. You know, his family just bought him. They just maybe – 
two weeks ago, a month ago, they just bought him a, a Scat Pack Challenger, which is a crazy fast car, expensive car. Um, is why he was going 141 running from the cop. God. But, you know, like, this is stuff that's public record now. So we were just talking about that. But uh, to go back to what we were talking about, you got to have – you got to have people on these coaching staffs that are connected to these kids that's going to help them get to the next level. I'm not saying Alabama doesn't have that. You know, that's why Nick Saban came out and said what he said. And, hey, it ain't no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. He's letting the, he's letting the public know that ain't got nothing to do with how we do things here. Yeah. So I feel like the kids cook there. But, you know, I feel like Tech – Going back to the coaching searches that we've talked about and the coaches that we have, you got to have some of those coaches, whether it's a minority coach or a coach that's really, really embedded in the minority uh, uh, community, they can tell these kids, hey, man, this is if you're going to do this, you got to do this. If you're going to go to this kind of party, you got to have this. You got to have coaches that are able to kind of speak that lingo. So, um, Hey, Tally, hey, I'll just – Hey, I'll just add, you know what you you actually I just say this to your point too. That's a hell of a point because I think you also got to have. And this is why it goes back to about Todd. Like I don't I, I pull the race car when I need to, but I think you know when you're in Southwest Virginia, it's important to have men that you can talk to because like we are so much more than athletes. I met my wife at Tech. I got two degrees, but I also went through some challenges. Nothing bad, no racial profiling, but just. I came to Tech, it was weird. I was 17 years old. I probably should have graduated in 95. But I came there, you know, young, underage. And then I turned 18. But, like, it was Tech then and now is a big school. So, culturally, it was a challenge. So, thank God for people that were in the athletic department that worked like Dorita Ratcliffe, who was an academic advisor and mentor. Um, Troy Peace, who was from D.C., who was also in the student life department, who was a black male that talked to me about like when I was going through different things, dating, you know, there's a lot of stuff we deal with, you know, from, you know, depression, from learning disabilities to, you know, you get that phone call where your mom has to have surgery or, you know, you got money problems or your uncle got locked up. Fans just see touchdowns, positions, but you got to have people there that can relate to you, man. That's where, you know, and I also want to say, too, with the whole thing going to the league, I don't know why we have a small contingency of fans that criticize or judge kids for wanting to go to the NFL. I, I, I don't – I mean, what is the – that is what they're there for. I mean, so you better understand how I can get you in the league because, look, man, I have four degrees. I'm licensed – I'm a licensed therapist. I take pride in that. But – there's a lot of stuff I took at tech and in high school. I don't use, I don't use. <laughs> so, yep. you know, everyone's not there. And I have friends that do not have degrees that make six figures that live very well, that are blue collar that can come in and put down new carpet and fix your ceiling fan. And they're very intelligent. So success comes in different shapes and sizes in different ways. And I think ultimately you got to have people on your staff that can relate to your players and also understand, like I told the story numerous times, Bohami Jones retweeted my tweet one night when I said during the Michael Vick 30 for 30, Beamer understood us as black men. He understood y'all need to go to the Million Man March. What can I do? Do you need a plane? Do you need a bus? Because during that time in our country, there was stuff going on. We need, We wanted to go. 
And we still won the Sugar Bowl that year and won 11 games. So my point being is, is that it's not always about recruiting and, and getting the positions. It's also being able to deal with stuff. Even when I talk about relationships, man, because it's not a big deal now, but I mean, even when you're dating girls, you're dating outside your race, you know, we had guys during that time from Florida that had never seen snow. Um, you know, they, I had several guys on my team that went to rehab for alcoholism. This is stuff y'all will never know, um, but this is stuff that those coaches helped those young men get through, and they ended up being better for it. So I didn't mean to go yeah. off you know, my, my pulpit. You didn't. But I just think these are things that fans just look at. Position, player, wins, recruiting. And recruiting is so much more because a mother – or auntie or a grandmother or a mom and dad are sending their son and daughters for the female sports to a big power five school for three to five years and say, I need you to make sure my kid does not leave with charges or any unexpected children. Okay. I need you to be able to make sure his ass gets to class, you know? So <laughs> it's, that's what the coaching staff and recruiting is about. It's just about, Having guys a whole lot of trust. Got to have a whole lot of trust. You tell, I mean, not Dwight, you do it every time you come on here with us is you paint a picture that it is a lot of small pieces. Like you mentioned, having the local guys, but you've also, like you just said with Frank, Frank understood what being a black male was in this country when he was coaching. Yeah. He made sure y'all understood that he understood. Yes. And, you know, and, and that's one of the bigger parts is making sure that it's related, it's discussed, it's brought to the public point. We talk about the rah-rah stuff. The stuff you're talking about is the stuff behind closed doors. You're talking about having the right people on staff that, you know, I looked at the staff while you were mentioning that. You've got like a DB, you've got Glenwood Furby, you've got these guys who come from these different places, mm -hmm. who come from these different backgrounds. So when they see a young guy who maybe is on their team having some struggles, he can sit right next to him. Let's talk. I know where you're from. I know yep. probably what your struggles are. Let's get to where you're feeling better about it. Yep. Let's get to let's let's get the class schedule right. Let's figure out what you want to major in. Let's let's figure out how we're gonna do it on the field. Let's figure out the the personal issues. And I'm gonna put this up right here. This is our buddy, Coach Compton. It's that. It's yes. relationships. It's yes. relationships. It's relationships. It's all it's about why, the relationships. It's why I love doing this podcast for a long time with brian that's why we brought tally in as well relationships we have great relationships we love having you on because we have such a good relationship with you mm -hmm. you're easy to talk to you know we're gonna throw good questions you know we're not gonna go fucking stupid <laughs> you know we're not gonna ask dumb yeah, ass questions because yeah, yeah. if we asked stupid questions two years ago when you first came on the, the message back to Brian the next year would have been nah i'm busy that night sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. but instead we don't and um, we let you have the floor. But I know we're in a tighter window because you you told us you got to kick out of here early. We got three more questions. Okay. And these are fun ones. These are fun ones. I really like, though, that we hit that seriousness piece, though, man, because – Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, definitely. it's great to hear it. But can we ask you the three fun questions before we let you go tonight? Okay, let's do Sally, it. you got yeah, a first we, one here. Yeah, we're going we gonna, to we gonna go with, some, like he said, with some fun stuff. Um, and I know it's going to be hard, but you got to narrow it down here. He ain't gonna narrow Three, it down. He's gonna get you. He, he got to. Three <laughs> most underappreciated hokies all time. Oh my God. I thought y'all said it was gonna be fun. 
Underappreciated, man. <laughs> I mean, Under we, we fun in a nerve-wracking way. All time. Oh my I mean, god! Throwing names out, and you got Close, and you on. got like a minute to think about okay, it. Okay, you on the clock. We got to revisit this next time I'm on because I I know. Uh, my, <laughs> well, name us just some of them. Uh, no, no. So I just I'm just telling y'all. Y'all know I'm I'm happily married. My wife is my homegirl, my best friend. She's she just walked in here and she's going to she is. She is going to say, you didn't say him. So I'm just going to, so like, <laughs> I'm just going to tell y'all this, man. Um, we, we, we gave you homework later, right? Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. give you some My, homework Myron, later. Myron, Myron Newsome comes to mind. Yeah. Myron Newsome, one of my 55, he went to Butler Junior College. Um, and I feel like um, when Bud Foster would tell you, arguably he's the best linebacker he ever coached. And you think about the linebackers that's come through Blacksburg. Yeah. Um, yes. He played at Hampton High School with me. His son is Daz Newsom. His other son is Deion Newsom. Deion. He's also related to Tyler Wilson, who was a Virginia Tech Hokie, and also James yep. Wilson, who played Tennessee. But he came in and embodied what that backer position was. I mean, I, I think he's always going to be forgotten about because yeah, social he media, he was only at Tech for two years, but he led Tech to a Sugar Bowl championship win, bowl game win, and also a 96 uh, Orange Bowl appearance against Nebraska and two conference championships. Um, and I also think, you know, he was critical in setting the tone. He played with George Del Rico and Tony Morrison. Um, there's another um, one, George Del Rico. Yeah. And I, George see, Del Rico's unappreciated, man. Yeah, he is. He is. That, that's why yeah, I said this is actually a tough question. That's a tough question. Because um, well, I know you got plenty of And I'm going to get off early. here. Um, another, who's another unappreciated? Another unappreciated guy uh, would probably be. I was going to say, um, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but um, when I, I want to say Shane Graham um, because Shane Graham is one of those guys because he's very well-spoken on Twitter. He's, he coaches college. He was at Florida. He was trying to get back at Tech. But I think we appreciate him for the miracle in Morgantown with him and Mike and that kick. But you got to understand something. If Beamer Ball and special teams were so big, and this is a two-parter, Jimmy Kibble and Shane Graham because Jimmy Kibble was a punter and he was not as known, but they came in together around that same time. I think Jimmy Kibble might've been a year older, but Shane Graham, his kicks and, and he was clutch at the right time. And we don't look at field goal kickers. I know we had some great ones since him, Brandon Pace and other guys like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think, you know, there's, there's some guys that we don't, He's talked about for that kick, but what he did in Blacksburg during his time there is remarkable. And then, um, again, I got a few more. Any fullback, Cullen Hawkins, Jerry Ferguson, any fullback, Jerry Ferguson, Jerry Ferguson, Jerry Ferguson. My wife is clapping right now. She's she's like, (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Ferguson is the coach, the strength coach at Tech now. But honestly, guys, I know our younger fans like, who are these guys? Jerry Ferguson. Not yes. just the, the look at the run the against Syracuse when he had one shoe on, but also what wow. he did against Wally Rayner, who was one of the best linebackers in UVA history. Um, just a phenomenal fullback. He was physical and he was actually a running back. He was a walk on that earned a scholarship, end up being one of the best fullback. And that's a position that is pretty much dead in the NFL college and high school. Like fullbacks, mm-hmm. it's H backs now. And, um, I'm trying to think about somebody, somebody more modern. 
Um, well, I always sit here and I think Vegas Robinson. Oh, Vegas was an underappreciated linebacker. Yes. He was a hell of a linebacker. Yes, yes, yes. It's so yeah. many. And maybe that's it. We just bring you back in the summer and we just talk about the underappreciated guys and we're here for three hours. Well, yeah, because there's, you know, it's, it's guys like Ernest Wilford, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just so many guys, man. Uh, I, I'll tell you one. Um, my wife just, I'm still in her. She just takes you. Brian Randall. Oh yeah. Let me let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell y'all something because hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out. I'm gonna throw one out too. The White Vic. If uh, the White Vic don't ever go to Tech, <laughs> do we ever do we ever get the the Michael Vic and the Marcus Vic? I'm just saying. Yeah, you know that's a good point, man. That's a good point. You know, I I every time Dude, I see does Beam, it happen? I say Beam. I say Yo, where's my hokey handshake, bro? He like oh, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what's funny too, man, because you know, Mike always says, you know, I remember I had to flex on somebody because they were talking about Mike when it came to tech with the NIL. And and Mike, Mike will tell you I'm a big reason why he came to tech. Um, mm-hmm. Donovan McNabb and I aren't friends. We we know each other, we've been around each other, but we're not friends. But I remember I saw him on TV one day saying, I thought I had Mike, and I'm like, You won't gonna beat me in recruiting. I can recruit. Nah. Um you <laughs> won't gonna you won't gonna beat cousin recruiting. Nah, all. but um I appreciate that, Tally. I appreciate that, man. Um <laughs> I man, I mean yeah. I just I just had to put it. I know you wasn't gonna say it, so I was gonna, nah, say, it. gonna say it. No, I, mean, I won't I won't say it because I think we appreciate you so much here and we know all that you nah, done, listen, let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all program, something. Man. I appreciate that, Curtis. Let me tell y'all something, and I'm go, my, we going back this spring. I was at the spring game last year, bro, and I'm telling you, and my son gives me a hard time because, you know, I'm his dad, but, man, I, I signed hundreds of autographs, took a bunch of pictures, man. Hokie Nation, on my birthday, I mean, the fans show me love. Like, I got, like, a TD reception record at Tech. I was an offensive lineman, but I go into, like, different places, and kids come up to me. I sign balls. That's why I tell you, man, you can you choose the right university, I played 20 something years ago and I have a lot of people who rock with me hard. Um, and that's a blessing and shout out to Hokie Nation. And this real quick, and then we can wrap up with the other two questions, but I want to finish my point about Brian Randall. I was always a huge Brian Randall fan because it was tough to come after Mike and then his brother come behind you. He was benched on national TV against Miami when we, we broke Miami's 31 game winning streak, right? It was bench for Marcus. Marcus threw that great touchdown pass over Sean Taylor to Ernest Wilford. And um, he came back. Him and Marcus went back and forth and started, you know, rotated. But the following year, he came back, our first year in the ACC, and he led him to a conference championship. And they took Auburn to the brink of an upset. They lost 16-13, and Auburn went undefeated that year. So mm-hmm. I just think Brian Randall – if he plays at a different time, he's appreciated more. But I, I just, I, I, um, I think he's a guy that uh, I hope Tech fans keep appreciating him because he's a, also he's an ex- excellent father. Him and him and Mike are good friends. They go golfing together. I don't do the golfing thing. I just hear them talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second fun question. All right, right. we are going to take the Vic Seven Five Seven Cruise. So that's you, Dwight, and Mike out of this conversation. Okay. Of all the football seasons in Virginia Tech history, Uh-oh. what season makes you say what if the most? What do you mean? Like, what if, like, if we, we, like, like, this is the one I use because you mentioned B Rain. What if in 2004, D Hall and Kevin Jones decided to come back? 
Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I got you. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. Go for it. The what if season? The what if season? If I, I hate because it's kind of a tough time for our family. If Marcus doesn't get put out of tech and they come back, they win the national championship. Oh seven. Oh seven. That was that was oh seven. I was 07. Oh my god. 07. That's so that was 07. That was 07? Yep. That was 07. Yeah. Yeah. 06 is when he um Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He it was 07 because Louisville. because no no, that conversation's been had because that defense gave up 8 points a game. Yeah. With with a deep with a deep in them, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, that was a nasty defense because nasty Marcus himself defense. would produce 14 points. If Marcus Marcus comes back they're beating Oklahoma. They're winning. I'm telling you, I don't even gamble that much money when I gamble. I'm gambling. I'm going casino style. I'm 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 putting it. I'm putting it on a table. I'm telling you. The other what it. The other what it behind that is um the uh the uh Gerard Evans if he comes back. You know, but oh man, yeah. that's mine. <laughs> That's what yeah. when we talk. That's I don't even like talking about it because <laughs> right. I feel like if you get if you get Gerard to come back, you get one of those receivers to yes. come back. If not both, you get Bucky and Isaiah to come back because yep. that defense was nasty. So it was nasty in seventeen. Probably probably the the nastiest defense since that 07 defense. Since that man, 07, yeah. Being honest, so. and then and then the honorable honorable mention is uh, again credit to my wife because he's this white married the right woman, bro. Look. So look, she was like Florida State national championship game because in that game, um, Sharon Stiff and um, Ricky Hall got injured, and um, that changed the complexity of the game. And also, um, the starting safety that year was a guy we called Mookie, aka Reggie Samuel. Nick Source had to play safety; that wasn't really his natural position. You know, you beat Winky and those guys. I know everyone talks about um, the receiver they had. Uh, what's his name? Not Coles, but Peter Wark. Peter Wark. But I think. With Sharon, the way he was running the ball, and Ricky Hall—that's that's an honorable mention. Because then you're talking about a national championship. That's which is the ultimate prize. <laughs> hey, yo, dog, who came up with these questions? These are these are these are good. Listen, <laughs> if you ain't doing anything during the summer, I got this up in my head that I want to do a what if episode. We got tally. I want to get like you. I want to get like Chris Coleman, who's an alumni. I want to yep. get a couple other alums and say, let's talk about what if. Yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. about what. Let's talk about what if Ty Rod was quarterback in 2011. Oh, see, that's another one. <laughs> don't get stuck out in there. All right, but 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 well, the, I, I will the, give you another what if, but this is more hypothetical. It's hypothetical, and it's about family. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say something. You tell me what you think. Mike Vick in an RPO system. He he sets records that will never be broken. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's it. There's nothing else to talk about. Me and Mike, me and Mike, me and Mike talk about this to this day. Like we talk about, like because you saw it with Chip Kelly, right? And you saw yeah. it a little bit with Morning Way and Andy Reid. You know, I mean, you saw what he did with Avant, Deshaun Jackson, McCoy, and all. Listen, man, Mike in the RPO system in today's game, the cheat code. Like I'm, it, 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 I mean, listen, like it's just crazy. You know, you you know how Mike he was a cheat code running the power option. I mean, you know, it's gonna be a cheat. Code. Come on, man. No, <laughs> my, my son, my son used to roast us when you know he watches our game on YouTube or ESPN Classic because he was like, "Hey, yo, dog, y'all running the ball on third and six and getting first downs." <laughs> 
that's how much we ran the ball in the nineties, bro. But Mike, yeah. Mike, and that's how I sold him. I told, I told him, I said, "Cuz, if you come to Tech, man, you'll play. You'll take us to the national champ." I told him this: "You'll take us to the national championship game, and you'll be up for the Heisman." I said because the offense is that good, where it's it's efficient, but you'll be such a big playmaker. But yeah, B and in, in the RPO, Mike is. Mike is sensational. What would Future say? Sensational. Yeah. <laughs> sensational. All right. Now, Vic, man, man, I know you. Yeah, I know you got to get out of here. But before you get out, I know you talked a little bit about uh, spring game and uh, last year's spring game. I'm coming up this year. I've already made my um, already made my my reservations, yes, sir. Brian's gonna be there. We're gonna have Curtis there in spirit. What can we What can we expect to see you at? You know, uh, the Suns of Saturday uh, want me to come by that party they're having. I'm just, I got to get some more guys from my era. It's going to be a lot of former players. Um, as I told you guys an hour and change ago, I'm going kidless this year. So I, I, I will tell y'all, man, like, um, without trying to get emotional, Virginia Tech is home for me. Um, it's done so much for my life. I met my wife there, friends for life, teammates. I get my best sleep in Blacksburg. So when I come up on Friday, I literally just try to get everywhere. So yeah. if y'all hit me and tell me y'all tailgating somewhere, I'm gonna come over there, have a drink, you know, chop it up, take a picture with y'all. So man, I'm a humble guy. I love the love I get from all of y'all and the fans. I get so much love, it's crazy. But at the same time, man, like for me, it's nostalgic because I help build something that's bigger than me. So mm-hmm. I, I and I'm I'm corny, real. I'm corny, right? I go by like all my different apartments I lived at from Fox Ridge oh, to yeah. <laughs> I drive by and go. I go to the bookstore. I go to the bookstore I met my wife at. I go back to Terrence View. Um, and I talk to everybody. I just see people. I go to McAdoo's. I go to New Listen, New River, New River Valley Mall, then and now ain't never had nothing for me, but I go in there anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you know, so like for me, man, um, those three days I'm in Blacksburg. I was up there one time. A group of us went up there for the spring game. And it was like 69, 70 degrees on Saturday for the game. And on Sunday morning, it was six inches and counting of snow. That's tech, Jeez. right? Yeah. Yep. And we drove back in it and we were fine. But, um, yeah, man, you you guys will see me everywhere, man. I, I But I, I'm, I'm, I'm just – I take it all in, man. Like, I, I'm still old school where I go to Hardee's. I go to Hardee's on Saturday morning and I see all the older golden hokies with their stuff on and I go grab me a you know biscuit or whatever. And um the old people here go to Hardee's be reading the newspaper still. Like people still read newspapers. <laughs> still read At Hardee's they do, man. At Hardee's yeah, they do. Yeah. I told you yeah. Hardee's Hardee's in South Boston the same way, man. Hey man, back look, back man, nah, man, look, let me let me just say this, man. Like, um, I look forward to seeing y'all up there, man. That to me. Uh, is nostalgic. And then, you know, I go on the field and see the player. And I, I love seeing the future. Like, um, I love the fact I'm still relevant, but I'm excited about the future. And that's why, like, I'm really rooting for Pride to get this right, man, because you guys all know this. And you saw it when Tally held that post-game Twitter space after the loss to ODU. At one point that night, he had 320 people on there, right? Yep. And we were on there until almost 2, 3 in the morning, right? Now, here's the thing. Yeah. Imagine if you get a product that's worth watching. 
I was I was in I was in FedEx when we had USC on and Boise State on the ropes. I was there. You're talking about 79,000 people. Look at that, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, man, I'm sorry, guys. I get going. I get passionate. I'm so sorry. No, man. no, no. Yeah. We we just yeah. went two hours, and it's been fun. It's been informative. We love your stories, Dwight. We love oh, that. love, man. And you don't even know. I wish – I will be there in spirit. But as Tally and we, we've said it, we're fathers. I've got two kids playing baseball, one kid doing a school play. I can't leave mama here with the baby and all the boys doing all that stuff or I just can't do it. One of those you years, they're going to – y'all know, they're going to get older. They're going to age out. You're going to be like Dwight rolling kidless. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. Be rolling kid. Hey, let me <laughs> tell y'all something. As, as fathers and uncles, I'm going to tell y'all something. You know I'm a passionate person. I'm full of love and passion. Love those moments, bro. Love your sons and daughters. Yep. Hug your children. Exactly. Let me tell y'all something. Hug your children, even when they piss you off, man. Appreciate that life. Shout out to my man, Derek Smith, one of my best friends, battling cancer right now. So he got two beautiful daughters. He called me when he first found out. Because, you know, what, what hit him was he didn't want to lose his, be around his, not be around his daughters. So mm-hmm. don't worry about you can't be to the spring game because you're going to be with your kids. Like, I, I, I've I learned over the years, man, to appreciate life and my kids and my friends and my family more than anything. Because the older you yep. get in life, the more you realize, man, at any moment, it could be your last breath. So, you know what I'm saying? Hey, look, and shout out to y'all, man. I love y'all. Tally, I'm glad y'all added him. Tally's my dude. Be encouraged. Yes, sir. I appreciate this. You guys know during the last uh, two, three, I jump on here, add a comment here. Hey, I love oh, yeah. what y'all love doing, it. man. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, we, we appreciate you jumping on, giving the, even the commentary during yeah, the other live streams. You. And obviously, love when you can jump on and chop it up with us for two hours. Yeah, no, anytime, man. Anytime, man. Keep doing your thing. I know the VT podcast community is bananas, man. But the one thing is most of us rock with each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody has a different perspective. But at the same time, it's all love, man. I, I, I just want us to keep doing it. And I can't wait for the day. When we're talking about a conference championship and the potential yep. playoff bird, I am so tired. I am so tired of mediocrity. God knows I am. <laughs> we all are, man. Yes, it is sir. Time to get back. And Tally says he he's got this. Just his feeling this year. Says he got, got this feeling. This I got year. I got some optimism this year, man. You got I, optimism. I ain't gonna say conference. I ain't gonna say conference title. But I think some good stuff. I think some good stuff gonna happen. So that's what's up. Progress. Progress. <laughs> We're with progress. That wraps up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. Go see Jeremy when y'all go to spring game. As we thank our guest, Dwight Vick, for tonight, I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Taliban. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes, including two previous interviews with Mr. Dwight Vick, which was always fun. Also, check out our new launched merchandise shop, Tally. Show them what you got there. I had ice in this thing for two, oh, nice. two days. We still we still going. We still, we still going. going. So y'all let got us know. Got some shirts, hoodies on there. Take a look at the site. Some fun stuff from mm-hmm. Our Crazy Imaginations. And I feel like we need to get together one Saturday and put them together again because we came up with some good stuff that first time. Um, also, when you're there, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which keeps growing. Go to your favorite podcast or Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. We're on them all. 
Jason Long is our buddy down in the New River Valley, down in Roanoke. He plays us in. He plays us out. He still has no live events right now, but we know he is actually getting in some recording stuff, so he might have something released pretty soon. Check him out on his website, jasonlawmusic.com, where it will link you to all of his music, Spotify, YouTube, and his Facebook pages. We thank you, as always, for listening. And as always, let's go! Okay. Okay.